This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. No Bradley Sal today. He's out on assignment. Let's just say that. Today's guest is Nick Williams, former Ole Miss basketball player, coming to us on the Modern Woman phone line and filling in for Brad. It's my good buddy, co-worker at the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. It's David Johnson. Hey, man. How are you? Good. How are you? Yeah, it's one of those, uh, could be a slow news day, could be a big news day. Uh, I am breathless with anticipation of what uh, what is in store. Ole Miss basketball plays tonight as we're recording. Uh, but I don't think that's what you're talking about here. Well, that, that that plays a part. Certainly, that's a big game for Kermit Davis and his team. Uh, you know, is this turnaround for real? They've got a tough assignment tonight in Fayetteville. Uh, I, I'm intrigued with that, Ben. And uh, you're our basketball guy. You certainly know a lot more about that than, than I do. But uh, I will be tuned in and taking it all in from 10,000 feet. More intriguing right now. For the purposes of the Ole Miss Spirit message board and Ole Miss Twitter and Ole Miss everywhere, is Josh Heupel was just hired or is going to be hired at Tennessee. Danny White was the AD at UCF. He left for Tennessee. Tennessee certainly is facing a very tough road ahead. Sanctions are coming. But Josh Heupel looks to be the guy on Rocky Top. And now, the very first thing you're seeing, and understandably so, is... Is Jeff Lebby going to leave? Certainly going to be a candidate, we figure, but what do you make of this so far? Yeah, well, it's one of those deals where, uh, you know, Jeff Lebby, I think, is certainly comfortable at Ole Miss. Obviously, he just signed a contract extension. Uh, I think he's very happy here at Ole Miss. But if Jeff Lebby is offered that job at Central Florida, uh, if I'm Jeff Lebby, I take that job. Um, it is one of the best group of five jobs in the country. As Josh Heupel has just shown, it is a springboard to being a power five head coach if you can be successful there. Uh, and, you know, Jeff Lebby's at a point in time in his career where his name's going to be associated with a lot of openings. Uh, that's just going to happen because of what he, the product he's helping to put on the field. And while it's uncomfortable for Ole Miss fans, it's just something you, you've got to deal with. That's what success breeds. It breeds other people wanting your guys. And, um, you know, if I'm Jeff Levy I'm, and I'm offered the Central Florida job, Ben, I, I take it. I think it, it's it's the best move for your career. We're not saying he's going to be offered the job. Um, I think you're right. He's definitely going to be in the conversation. He's already in the conversation. And the Josh Heupel news is barely an hour old. Um, so, uh you know, just get ready for an intriguing next couple of days, week or so, as Central Florida figures out who they're going to hire as their head coach. And, you know, with National Signing Day right around the corner, you would figure that uh, they'd want to move quickly on this. Let's go ahead and eliminate one possibility. There's no way Jeff Lebby's going to Tennessee to join Josh Heupel. That's just absurd. Look, Jeff Lebby 
No, I don't. I don't think that's happening. No, he's like most every other aspiring head coach. Why would he leave a good situation for a disastrous situation? The only way he would leave now after signing well, the extension is going to UCF. That does make sense if he's yeah, off of the job. You call it a disastrous situation, and there, yeah, you couldn't be better in your descriptive terminology, so to speak, because. You know, I don't know how closely everybody's been following this deal at Tennessee, but the the university president, chancellor, whatever you want to call her, she handed that program on a gold platter, silver platter, to the NCAA. I mean, a very condemning statement, multiple statements about her football program and what happened while Jeremy Pruitt was there. Ben, Tennessee has no defense in this moving forward. Now, you know, with the wackiness of the NCAA, that may get them off lighter than what they would normally get off. But there's no fight left in Tennessee against any of these allegations and charges because she 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 basically sold the program down the river in her press conference. And the guy coming in, you know, I thought this would be a difficult job to fill because if I'm a head coach out there with the mojo to get that job at Tennessee, I don't know if I want to work for her. I, I, I just I have to be totally honest about this. Obviously, football is not anything that that she cares about. You could tell about tell that with her comments. Um, just a very interesting take. The people in charge at Tennessee have taken on this whole thing. They they're, they admitted their their own internal investigation was damning. So how do you defend yourself against the NCAA charges from this point forward? It's going to be a tough, tough job for Josh Heupel. And, um, you know, I get it. You want to be a head coach at a big-time SEC program. But, man, the environment he's going into up there in Tennessee. Plus, Ben, you know, Tennessee's always had to recruit nationally when they were successful. But you've got to be successful to be able to recruit nationally, and they haven't been. And then in their home territory up there, eastern Tennessee, North Carolina, Virginia, that area, Mac Brown, Phil Longo, and staff at North Carolina, yeah, along with Virginia Tech and even Virginia, they're killing them. They're killing Tennessee. So Tennessee's not even a kingpin any longer in their own backyard. Now you have all these NCAA things that are in play. Uh, Josh Heupel's going into that job with a hand tied behind his back. Um, I, I don't expect him to be successful. This is one of those bridge situations. Ole Miss fans are very familiar with this, having to go through NCAA troubled waters. Um, I think Tennessee will be a, looking for a new head coach in three years. What we saw from her was Jeffrey Vitter and Ross Bjork's cooperative approach on steroids. If I were a Tennessee fan, I would just be livid. I said this on the podcast, I think, last week, man. You don't give them anything. Don't give them the knife to stab you in the back. <gasps> That's what Ole Miss – I mean, you got to learn the lesson from Ole Miss. Ole Miss did that. They handed over so she much. She gave now, them a yeah. knife, a gun, a whip, everything. Everything. I, I mean, it's uh, – it is such a bad situation up there. I'd hate to be a volunteer fan. Um, you know, and I'm not rubbing salt in the wound. I know we all got enough of that when Ole Miss was going through it from other people. But, um, man, oh, man, just a uh, – I think that situation up there is, is ten times as bad as what uh, what Ole Miss faced and had to crawl through. Um, and we, I don't think we know the half of it yet. I don't either. And it, and it, it tells it's me it's not going to be, it's not a recipe for success. With Danny White hiring Josh Heupel, it tells me that he got far down the list. You can't tell me that Josh Heupel was one or two or even three. I think he's four or five or six. And Danny White felt it out and knew that that's the best hire he could make. It feels a lot like um, back when Florida made the hire Dan Mullen. When Scott Strickland went to Florida, he went after a couple of other fish. But ultimately, you go with the bride. You know, you, you go with the with the partner that you took to the dance. That's kind of what he did. And that's kind of what Danny White has done with Josh Heupel. It's safe, and it looks good on paper in terms of, 
hey, this is a sitting coach, a G5 coach, but a successful G5 coach at the best G5 school. It looks good enough, but it tells me that there wasn't a big pull. But it also tells me that Hugh Freeze is never going to be in the SEC because if he can't get that job, the one he wanted, the one riddled with sanctions, the one where they would be desperate for a splash and Hugh Freeze would be a splash for them, he's never going to get hired in the SEC again. Well, I I don't necessarily agree with that. I just think the Tennessee job – uh, what it morphed into there at the end with the with the, the the NCAA probe, the shadows hanging over the program, he wasn't the right man at the right time. Uh, I think he's going to get his shot back in the SEC, if not the SEC, the ACC. Um, you know, he's, um, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, he's cleansing himself at liberty. Oh, he's boy. proving that uh, he is a consistent winner. And uh, I think I think ultimately he lands a, another Power Five gig, uh, but that one just the, the the not the right man, and it was the wrong time with the impression that uh, is stamped upon the Tennessee program right now. No, I agree with if that. If that makes any sense. No, I agree with that. I just think that he's I think he's going to get a Power Five job. I just don't think it's going to be in the SEC because this hiring cycle. If he couldn't get one this hiring cycle, where is he going to get a job? Auburn was open, South Carolina, Tennessee. I don't want to talk too much about Hugh Freeze, but I do agree with you that he will get a Power 5 chance. I just don't think it'll be in the SEC. But when it comes back to Jeff Lebby, before we sat down to record, I said it to you, I think it's pretty presumptive to just assume that Jeff Lebby is the guy at UCF. At some point, these schools like UCF, Arkansas State was like this. They get tired of their job being used as the job to the next job. So maybe they target other big fish. Maybe they go after Gus Malzahn. Maybe they go after Tom Herman to try to rehabilitate Tom Herman. Maybe they go with Randy yeah. Shannon. I think they'll have a really good list. I think they'll have a lot of coaches that want those, that job. So if Jeff Levy can jump those guys. Those jobs, those jobs are like a small town TV news. And, um, you know, so it doesn't really matter who the Arkansas states or the Troys of the world hire, if they're successful and ultra ultra successful, uh, those guys are not going to be there long. I mean, the coaching profession is a lot like working for the carnival. I mean, by the time you unpack your bags, it's time to pack them up again. And, um, you know, coaches are carnival workers. They're here, they're gone. They're here, they're gone. Uh, As long as they, uh, you know, run the Ferris wheel right and uh, we all have fun while they're here, then all's good. Um, But... um, nobody's for long in, um, in one spot in the coaching business. And uh, if you're successful at those small schools, bigger schools are going to come calling eventually. Um, but uh, nevertheless, though, I think you're right. It's presumptuous just to think that Central Florida is just going to immediately offer Jeff Levy the job. Uh, they're going to think this out. They're going to try to find some stability within their program. Um, I get that. I understand your point there. But, uh, you know, is it something – the bottom line is, is it something Ole Miss fans ought to keep an eye on? Yes. I think we agree the answer to that is yes. A resounding yes. Yes. We'll get right back to David Johnson in this edition of Talk of Champions with Nick Williams, former Ole Miss basketball player, coming up on the Modern Women phone line after I tell you briefly about Cheney's Pharmacy, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. A new year is here, and you want to put your best foot forward. The only way to do that is to make sure that you're taking care of yourself, that you're keeping yourself safe, that your pharmacy is one you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy, a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down. It's not close. So give Cheney's a call. 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy. Much more than just a pharmacy. And another thing, too, is Randy Clements. We've talked about this. Randy Clements is attached to the hip of Jeff Levy. Kevin Smith is a UCF legend. So if UCF did move 
on Jeff Levy, to think that Jeff Levy wouldn't try to take a couple of guys with him, maybe even some off-the-field guys like a Marquise Watson or a Devin Bush to own mm-hmm. the field jobs. I mean, he could build a staff pretty quickly. And then here we are covering so many more staff changes for Lane Kiffin because one is about to be solved, we think, as you first reported and have covered diligently. Randall Joyner, formerly of SMU, is poised or has already accepted should become official at any point. Might be official as we're recording this, the defensive line coach at Ole Miss. And that is one where we didn't really hear the name for the last couple of days from you. You're the one that came up with it. So there are a lot of factors at play here. The coaching carousel for Ole Miss, if Jeff Levy were to get run at UCF, if he were to get hired at UCF, this already pretty busy cycle for Lane Kiffin just gets that much busier. But if you're having success, this is what happens. If you're an Ole Miss fan, it shouldn't bother you that Jeff Levy would be considered for UCF. That's a good thing. That means you're winning games. That means you're doing something right. That means Lane Kiffin is making good staff hires. And Jeff Levy's making $1.2 million now with this extension at Ole Miss. Josh Heupel was making $2.3 million a year, plus a $3.5 million assistant bonus pool. So they can be competitive. It just depends on what their priorities are. You're absolutely right. Is this something Ole Miss fans should keep their eyes on? Yes, yes. But I wouldn't be freaking out yet until it became really serious, where you're starting to talk about finalists or Jeff Levy's interviewed. Then it becomes really real. Something to worry about. But for now, what we know is that the staff, for the most part, is intact if Randall Joyner is official. What do you think about him? We'll see what happens. There's some other things in play for Randall Joyner. Um, LSU covets Randall Joyner. SMU would like to keep him. So uh, until something signed, sealed, and delivered, you know, that's kind of uh, kind of going to – I'm going to kind of categorize that up in the air until I know that he has signed a contract because uh, he is a very coveted young man right now. And uh, for a lot of reasons, he's, a, he's a, by all reports, a brilliant on-the-field coach, a relentless recruiter. He's a young guy. He's got a bright future ahead of him. Or two SEC schools wouldn't be going after him at the same time. So uh, we'll see what happens. But, uh, again, you know, don't get too excited about all the coaching rumors. It drives you crazy this time of the year, especially if the scenario develops and Jeff Levy is offered and accepts the head coaching job at Central Florida. You're right to bring up, Ben, there are going to be staff repercussions with that move on the Ole Miss staff. You would certainly think so. Uh I think Kevin Smith is more tied to the hilt with Lane Kiffin. I don't really see Kevin Smith following Levy to Central Florida if that scenario were to happen. Uh, but Randy Clements, I could see that happening. Uh, and you're exactly right. I could see uh, a couple of other guys, staff guys at Ole Miss, uh, perhaps getting a break and opportunity uh, by uh, – by, by going there, but we're putting the cart way before the horse. Right oh yeah. Now. Uh, but you know, it, all of it's speculation and we're not speculating that that's going to happen. We're just saying, keep an eye on things. Yeah. Cause we both would absolutely prefer and would much rather Jeff Levy stick with Ole Miss and this not become a real thing, but it could, it could, let's just be real. It could become a real thing. And if yeah. it does, we'll cover it. And uh, we'll talk about candidates to replace him if he were to jump to UCF. I think one thing that's interesting about this is John David Baker, who came out of nowhere for everybody, coming from Southern Cal yeah. to be the tight ends coach. You know, he was Graham Harrell's guy. Now, I'm not saying that Graham Harrell would become the offense coordinator at Ole Miss, but USC, there's not a lot of security there for those coaches. It's like they're year to year. So maybe... Maybe Graham Harrell immediately jumps atop the list if Jeff Levy were to leave. But we are putting the cart before the horse. I'm just saying that there are ways to look at where Lane would go if it were to happen. Well, and, and you know, <clears throat> California is not where I'd want to be coaching if I'm a college football head coach right now. And, and, and you know, you don't think about these things, but state income tax out there versus the state income tax pretty much anywhere in the South – I mean, you're giving half your salary to uh, to the state of California, and um, you know that's uh, that's something you don't really think about. You know, when you talk talk about where guys are moving from geographically and things like that, a lot of family factors in 
included that, that we don't even really scratch the surface of when we're talking about these lists and who might come here and why, why they might come here. But uh, I'm getting off topic there, but uh, that just popped in my mind. I love it that this is what we're talking about. I never expected to wake up on uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, hearing Josh Heupel stuff. Late January. Yeah, in late January. Yeah. Good thing that the early signing period is now in December and that most kids sign in December. Old days, if this were going down, oh, my God, the freak out would be oh. insane. Well, I mean, just the – Ben, remember the, the amount of preparation we would put into getting ready to go into a February national signing day. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, it's a, you know, a week ahead of time. You're preparing, okay, I'm going to be on the desk at 5 a.m., and then, uh, you know, I'm going to do this, you're going to do that, we're going to – we're going to, we're going to, we're going to go this angle on this kid and this angle on this kid. Poof. It's all gone. It all happened in December, you know, and that's just the way it's going to be from here on out. That February national signing day is the wake. Uh, basically it's the wake of what has already happened. It's the, okay, can we get this kid? We've got one big game. Can we get this kid? Might we get a couple other guys, that fill a couple of critical needs area. And that pretty much sums up the February national signing day now. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And it, and it is amazing how quickly that has changed. I mean, three years ago, we'd already be knee deep in preparation for what's to come next Wednesday. Now, next Wednesday, really, you know, Hey, Taiwan Malone and who else do we get? That's kind of, kind of what it is. It's kind of it. Taiwan uh, Malone. That's the dude not going to be a whole lot of thunder and lightning. And we still have to see how all this transfer portal stuff eventually works out for us because welcome to free agency in college football. Uh, it is about to happen. What we're seeing right now is only just a, just a pinch of what, what it's going to be like as soon as the free one year transfer free one transfer, one time transfer thing is in effect. It's the wild, wild west, especially right now with these COVID conditions where kids are picking colleges they're going to without ever having looked into the eyes of the coach that they're going to be playing for, except via Zoom, without ever having stepped foot on that campus they're going to be living on for the next three, four, five years. And sometimes it's just not a good fit. It's not that the school made a mistake or the player made a mistake in picking the school. It's just not a good fit. And you don't realize that until you get there. So, you know, that's, um, that's just kind of, kind of the world we're living in. I got a kid right now that's been living in New Mexico for a month that went out there having had never stepped on foot on the campus had never looked at these coaches eye to eye uh, and never talked to them face to face. He had to roll roll the dice, you know. That's what everybody's having to do right now, Ben. And that's that's kind of uncomfortable for not only the players and the prospects, but for the coaching staffs too. How do you know Johnny from Schenectady doesn't have the personality of a, an axe murderer? And I'm not talking about on the field, but about <laughs> off the field. And the guy gets here, and you go, "Oh my God, why did I recruit this kid here?" It's uh, it's just weird times. It's or it's almost Orwellian, man. It's uh, goes along with everything else, I guess. You think Ole Miss gets Taiwan Malone? I do, I do. I think uh, big time. I think that's going to be a big time pickup next Wednesday. Um, you know, I've been told that um, people that know more about it than me still feel like it's a fifty-fifty proposition, but. Um, Something tells me that had Taiwan not with Taiwan coming back last weekend, I think that was his make sure visit. I think that was just a okay, I want to confirm everything I thought about this place back last February when I came in here. Just want to make sure. And uh, I think that was accomplished. And I think it was a brilliant move on the part of the Ole Miss coaching staff to make sure he spent the most amount of time with Jerry Ely and John Rice Plumley, because Taiwan's going to be on that baseball team too. And those are two guys he's inevitably going to be close to. 
And, uh, you know, couldn't be any contact with the coaching staff at all, none whatsoever. Uh, but there's nothing saying you can't hang out with the players. And um, so he spent a lot of time with those guys. And I can't think of two better recruiters for Ole Miss than Jerry Ann and John Rice. I'll just say with this Jeff Levy stuff, freak out when it's time to freak out. Start yeah. wigging out. Start yeah, wigging really. out when it's time to wig out. Right now, it's just you're you're kind and of look, preemptively it's, it's, getting freaked out for no reason. I, I I do understand the connection, but UCF doesn't even have an AD. What is the AD or the person that's going to make the hiring for UCF? What is going to be their priority for a head coach? What are they going to want in a head coach? Are they going to want an established guy? Are they going to want to go with upside with the Jeff? We don't even know. It's easy to make the connection, but UCF has been gutted by Tennessee, AD and coach. Well, I'm going to officially throw Houston Nuts' name into the mix there. Hell UCF. yeah. Yeah. Uh, just why not? Why not? Yeah, screw it. I'll tell you not? who's going to get in there. He and John Gruden. Hugh Freeze is going to get in there. <laughs> yeah, you know, he, you know, that. you know, Hugh Freeze is going to get in there. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and why not Hugh Freeze at Central Florida? Why not? Yeah, I don't know. I'd feel bad for Central Florida. That's just me being mean. I'm sorry. Should have done that. And you know, you know what? I had my I had my run-ins with Hugh, but the thing I can't take away from him, he's a heck of a football coach. He knows how to run a football program, and uh, he's a winner. Bottom line, it's true. If he could just stay out of his own way, things I can say about him. If he could yep. just stay out yep. of his own damn way, you know. He's David Johnson at Rebels247 on Twitter. We write together at the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and Food of 247 Sports. Thanks for filling in, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, as always, my friend. I appreciate it, and uh, thank you all for listening. That was David Johnson. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Nick Williams, former Ole Miss basketball player. He's coming up on the Modern Women phone line. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit. So does David Johnson. OMSpirit.com, the foot of 247 Sports. Going to jump now to Nick Williams on the Modern Woman phone line. Before we do, let's hear from BNA Bank and Modern Woodman. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Are you tired of working nine to five for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. The Modern Woodman phone line. Cool, we'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman, let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman phone line is my good buddy, Snick Williams, former Ole Miss basketball player. What's up, bro? What's going on, my man? What's going on? How you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Living life. Just trying to make it. That's all. Still coaching? Trying to, at least. <laughs> but, yeah, man, we we just just started. Um, just finished our second game last night. So, uh, we're we right in the swing of things, man. We, we're full goal right now. Northwest, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's it like? What's the transition to JUCO been like? Uh, at first, it was uh, – I wouldn't say it was tough. It was just, it was different. Um, 
um, especially when you uh, high major do GA player and then your GA is just used to all the carbon flies and the and the, and the steak and potatoes and all that. Now you got three, four, five hour bus rides and you eat McDonald's and all that type of stuff before the game and after the game. So, I mean, I'm not a high maintenance dude anyway, but it, it was it was a it was something to get used to. What did you learn at Ole Miss during that graduate assistant year under Kermit that really helped you transition to full time assistantship at Northwest? Oh man, I, I mean, a lot. If, if I can just boil it down to one, probably just attention to detail. Um, Coach Davis is just locked in on every little thing, and it's, it's amazing to see. But then you become a coach and you try to emulate it, and it's not as easy as you would, you know, as you would have thought. But then you think about it, this dude has, you know, having many years, twenty, thirty plus years in coaching, and you, and you just see how. You know, he's won at every place he's been at. So, I mean, just trying to be, you know, just locked in at all times is probably what I've probably taken, you know, from from him and from that staff that um, yeah, I was working there with. I've known you a long time, and for a lot of coaches or wannabe coaches, they think that interacting with the players and figuring out how to get to them, right, to meet them where they are, that's the hardest thing. But – that never seemed like a real hard thing for you to do. You were always one that could click pretty easily with the guys. Yeah, um, I mean, it's easier because I'm not too much older than them. And, you know, um, I mean, I, I'm, I, I try my best just to be as down to earth as I possibly can be. And um, players gravitate to that, man. Um, you already have, you know, when I was a GA, you already had the coaches, you know, on them and beating them over the head and stuff every day and all day. But like they need a different voice to, you know, kind of pick them up and, you know, just kind of talk to them about, you know, just the ins and outs and like how you deal with certain stuff and how to react to when coach says this and coach says that. And also, man, I I, I played the game. I played it for a long time. So it, it I mean, it, it was a seamless transition, you know, being a GA and just, you know, just trying to relate to the guy. As a former player, when do you tune a coach out? Like, what are the things that a coach says or does that makes you tune out? And how, as a former player, have you learned to avoid those things? I think when you when you tune a coach out, man, I think, first and foremost, I think that's a form of weakness. You know, I think that, you know, you start to soak and you start to pout and just start to blame everybody else for things going wrong and, you know, when when you see when you see teams going long losing streaks, and you see, you know, coaches get fired or, or coaches on the hot seat because their team isn't performing well, and the first thing that announcers say, "Hey, you better be careful before such and such they, they might lose this team." I just think that's a, a form of weakness from the players, man. And, and and a coach's voice could get stale over a period of time, and you know things happen. But I think early on, man, if if you've had some success in the past. And then, and you're not too far removed from that success, and you're you're not doing so well, and and so to speak, players turn you out. I just think, I mean, I think you just need to get some new players, man. Honestly, you know who you sound like, right? Who do I sound like, dog? AK. Oh man, I mean, I, I, I mean, I was played for for four years, man, and I, I don't know, you you, you kind of pick up on stuff, but. Now I'm a coach going on my second year. This is my second year. Like, I, I'm starting to see the other side of it. And, you know, like I said, I wasn't – I'm not a high-maintenance guy. I wasn't a high-maintenance player. I always brought my, my lunch pail every day in my heart hat when I, when I came to practice. So I I already felt that way as a player. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I, I mean, I always – I was never one of the guys to talk back. I was never, you know, just a, a prima donna. I was always there to do whatever needs to be done. So when, when, when you hear guys tuning the coach out, man, I just think, you know, man, that's, that's just a, a player being weak. You were also 20 going on 50, though, and pretty much an assistant coach on the floor. So if Reggie, who was one of those type of players, would tune out a coach on a, on a specific day, you were the one that got in his shit. Right, right, right. And, um, like, man, man you, can ask, you can ask any one of my teammates, whether it's Jarvis to Reggie, Murph, there was plenty of days, you know, we didn't see eye to eye. And, you know, if anybody else would have said something to him, maybe it would have been a fight. But 
you know, it was they 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 understood where I was coming from. Maybe they didn't they, they didn't do it right then, or you know, it took a it took a time, a little while or whatever. But they always respected where I was coming from because they knew, you know, it was coming from a genuine place. But it was also coming from a dude that busted his butt every day. So, I mean, it it is what it is, and, and guys don't bring it all the time, you know. But I mean, for the most part. We didn't. I mean, we didn't. We didn't have too much trouble from guys just not bringing it or tuning AK out. Where is everybody now? Do you keep tabs on everybody? Man, the person I probably uh, I talked to. I talked to most a lot. Most most is it's kind of it's kind of weird uh, talking to Murph, man, because we talked and when we were in school, but we 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 know we didn't talk as much as we do now. Like he would hit me up randomly at three o'clock in the morning, I would wake up the next morning at like five or six. And I would wake up to like three messages from Murphy just talking about just life and stuff like that. It's, just, it's weird, man, because he's, he's not really like a, a vocal emotional dude. It's just, it's just kind of weird to see, you know, as we go older, like some of these dudes are just the toughest dudes, you know, like hard body dudes just be so emotional talking about they miss you and all that. So it's, it's 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 weird to see, but it's also you know it, it you know it warms the heart or whatever to see dudes like that. And I talk to Terrence a lot. Um, I just talked to Jarvis last week, and you know, so it's it's, it's been cool, man. Just growing up and just seeing guys like how they you know when they finish playing, like like what's their next move. I was always real close with Murph and with Terrence. Where is Terrence? Where is he right now? Man, Terrence is back home in Monroe coaching high school ball. Uh, he's coaching at his old high school. And um, we, we, we talk a lot, man, you know, because I'm a big Cowboys fan. He's a big Saints fan. So if you see if you see our text thread, dog, you would, I'm talking, it's some, it's some stuff in there that you would, you would not be able to say out loud. But I mean, we talk all the time. Uh, and um, so it's good, man. We, I got a, a real good relationship with him. I'm surprised you didn't include me in that text chain because you and I share in the misery of loving the Cowboys. I know, man. Um, it, I, you know what we talk about. It's just, yeah. Man, is a, he brings a, a different, a different vibe to it, man. He he says something, anything, though. I'm telling you. I got to catch up with Terrence because the last time I talked to him, he was playing overseas. So that's probably like a year or two, maybe three years ago. It's way too long. Yeah, yeah. He's he's. I think this maybe his second year. I think he was he, originally he was going to try to go back to school. I think maybe he was going to try to, you know. Um, call Coach Davis or whatever, but that didn't. I don't think he obviously he didn't follow that. He was he wanted to do something else, and then some kind of way he found a job at his old high school, and um, he's been working out for him. See, that's what that's what's crazy is because it feels like with COVID, time has stopped. So catching up with guys like Terrence, I mean, I caught up with a friend of mine that I hadn't talked to in two years for the podcast, yeah. Antonio Morales. He used to work covered Ole Miss. Um, back in 2018, whatever it was. And the last time I talked to him, communicated with him, was 2019. That's a friend of mine, man. But I feel like we're all yeah. just marking time because of COVID. It just, it's Groundhog's Day, even for coaches like you. Man, I know. It, it's so weird, man, because you you look up, like, especially when we're in quarantine, you look up, man, you don't know which day it is. And you just sit at home and just wonder when is this thing going to be over. And before you know it, man, you're – you were you were just in May, and now it's September. You're like, dog, what did the last three or four months ago? So, I mean, it's 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 a crazy time, man. And you know, people deal with, you know, COVID, this whole experience in different ways, man. I'm just, you know, lucky and blessed to be, you know, still coaching and still have a job and still being able to do what I love to do. You know, what's been the hardest adjustment because of COVID, professionally and privately? What everybody else is dealing with, man. Not seeing your family. Um. You know, I got a little one at home, and, you know, you would want to see family, and, you know, and she's growing up and never, ever been around my – she's seen my mom once, you know, and she, she's already one. So, um, it's just a – you know, you never thought you'd, be, you'd have to deal with things like this, and you kind of take it for granted, man. You know, when, when somebody close to you calls, you're like, hey, man, I, I, I'll call him back, or you missed a call and stuff like that, and never really think about it. Now, these days, you never really get to see him. And you wonder when you're ever going to get to see him again. So, you know, I just, you know, whenever I can talk to him or whenever I can talk to anybody, I just urge urge people, man, to, you know, try to keep your, your, your people close to you, man, and talk to them as much as you can because you never know what's going to happen. Reflective Murph, 
has been really fascinating to see because Murph was always a really cool dude and I was tight with him, yeah. but he was different when he was coming out of college and he was pursuing professional basketball overseas, wherever it was. And now he's come home and you're right. I got him on the podcast, I think last year and just the way he talks and the way he approaches things, it's a lot different. It's a mature Murph. Not that he was ever immature, but right. it's just like he's flipped the page, right? He, he's become a true right. adult and it's just kind of a, uh, it's a weird thing to see. Yeah, man. <clears throat> he's, I mean, you never, I, when, you, when you're 19, 20, 21, you never think you're ever going to grow up, man. And you're always stuck with, you know, having fun, going to parties, playing games, and, you know, hanging out and all that type of stuff. And then you never think those days are going to end, dog. And then now we, we look up, we're in our 30s, we got kids, and, you know, you got to finally be responsible. <laughs> you got your, your girlfriend or your wife on you all the time. So, man, it's, 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 it's like I said, man, it's, it's crazy to see dudes like that who just, you know, who when we were younger, man, we just, we just lived. And now we're trying to be responsible. We're going in the house early and all that. And you got to get kids ready for, for bed and all that type of stuff. So I know it's a different time, man, but it, it, it's also good to see dudes, you know, finally grow up and finally have a family and, you know, find out what's really, really important in life. We were talking about this before we started recording. You and I have been friends for 10 years, maybe more than that. And you got a kid, right. another kid due in March, your boy. My oldest is eight. My youngest is four. And I don't feel any different. We don't talk to each other any different. <laughs> Life just kept going, man. Right, right, man. And I, I don't know where this last year went. because it's, it's, I don't know, man. I don't know. It was a crazy time, man. And I, don't, I have no idea where this last year went. And I, I mean, it's, it's almost February, dog. And I'm like, where did, where did January go? Like, I'm... I'm I don't know, man. I don't know. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy times, dog. What's the dumbest thing you bought during COVID? Ooh. The dumbest thing I bought, man. You, I you, bought three you, really I dumb things. I, I bought some stupid stuff, dog. I'm trying to, I'm just trying to, the stupidest thing I bought, I think I wanted to say, I, I went and bought a, um, a drone. Like, what, what am I, what, like, why? <laughs> and then what am I buying a drone for? I have no idea why I bought a drone, and I don't even use it. I bought first a golf cart. Then I bought, a, yeah, a zero-turn lawnmower. And then finally, oh, yeah, dog, you're getting old. yeah, finally, this is where you know I'm still me. Last week, I bought a PS5. Yeah, you're mad. Yeah. You're, you're insane. Yeah, I know. I have nothing else to do. I wish I could. I wish I could buy video games, dog. But I'm telling you, as soon as I sit down, my little girl turns into uh, Georgia the Jungle, and I'm 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 like a, a jungle gym or something like that. She's crawling <laughs> all over me like there's nothing. We we watched film together yesterday, like, and she was spilling um, food and chips all over my computer. Like, I mean, what what can you do? So I can only imagine what I what would happen to a PS5 if I bought it. That's the thing. When the kids go to bed at like eight eight thirty, what do I got? Two three hours to play. It's the biggest sunk cost ever, and I'm terrible at NBA two K. So what am I even doing? See, you 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 you. It's easy for you now. You got an eight year old and a four year old. But I got a toddler. She when she goes to sleep at eight or whatever, I'm going to bed right after that. Like there's yeah. no like as soon as she closes her eyes, dog, I'm going to sleep. Yeah, you're still in the phase where you sleep when the baby sleeps. You're still there. Oh, of course. And I got another one coming in March. Like, what am I doing? I need, to be put, I need to be locked up. I need to be locked up. You need to take a mini vacation to my house and just game yeah, with me to. for like a weekend. Man, my wife would kill me and you. <laughs> it's true. If I ever left, if I ever, <laughs> if I'm not at work now, I'm telling you, I have like, she, she's going to my phone. Where are you? Where are you? Like, you need to be home. So, I mean, man, I mean, I don't know, man. It's fun, though. It's fun. Like, I can't complain at all. That's a good way of bailing yourself out of what you wanted to say, which is, yeah, I want to come <laughs> play video games, you know? I just want to come hang out. Exactly. She might she might listen to it. I told her I was going to be on the pod today, so hopefully she, she's proud of me. <laughs> we love you. We do. Both of our spouses. <laughs> we love you very much. Of course, of course I love I love you both. When you watch film, 
when a coach watches film, what are you looking for? What are you watching for? Man, I, I told myself I wasn't going to become this coach, but I, but I am. Like, I'm, I, I never, ever, I, I never, it's so hard for me to see the positives in anything, dog. And it's so, like, I, I try my best to, even when we score, even when we get defensive stops, I always see something wrong. And, like, I think that's the, I think that's the biggest, you know, I fight myself the most with that, like, trying not to be so negative. Because, man, as a, I don't know, as a player, like, that's all, I felt like that was all that, that happened. Like, I felt like AK was negative all the time. But in all actuality, he wasn't, you know what I'm saying? He was just doing his job. That's in my eyes, what I saw. So, I mean, I don't know. I try my best just not to see the negative and everything, dog. But it's so hard, man. It's so, so hard. We'll get right back to Nick Williams, former Ole Miss basketball player, now an assistant coach at Northwest in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. It's a new year. 2020, that awful, awful year, is behind us, thank goodness. And that means new beginnings. Maybe even a new car. Well, if you're in the market, there's only one place to go. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you, get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory right now is priced to sell, and what separates Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff, they aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. And when you go, make sure to mention that Talk of Champions sent you. These guys are hardcore Ole Miss fans. They're going to want to talk some Rebel Sports. But more importantly, they want to make the process as seamless as possible, that you get what you want at a good price. So contact them today at 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. That's where you got to go to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Allen Samuels, let's be friends. So if somebody who doesn't watch a lot of basketball, they know about it, they know the basics. If they sat down and watched film... How do you help them understand what they're actually watching? I think um, I do this with my wife a lot because we have the, the DVR deal where you can, like, we, we watch the Rebels live all the time. So I'm, I got the click and I'm always fast forwarding and rewinding and saying, hey, such and such should have been right here. If this play happens, this, this, that happens. And she was looking at me like, dude. I'm just trying to enjoy the game, dog. This is not coach mode, man. Like, what are you doing? And, like, I have to fast forward 10 minutes. Like, like, like I, I just, I don't know, man. It's, it's a, I think, first of all, you have to ask them, like, what do they know, first and foremost? Like, do you know this and this, this? And if they don't, then you have to kind of, like, walk them through it. But, like, it's, it's I think, you like, I, I tweeted maybe, I don't know, maybe a couple months ago, like, some stuff like, man, you can't talk basketball with everybody. And I firmly believe that. Like, you would have, you got friends. Like, I got uncles who, who've been, who's, so to speak, been watching basketball all these years and all that. They'll tell you this player sucks and all this and all that. And I'm looking at them like, do you know how good this dude is? Like, I had to play, I had to play this dude when I was in high school, college. And, they, and they're telling me he sucks. So I'm like, huh? So I, I just I don't know, man. Like you can't you can't just, you can't talk ball with everybody. Well, what I mean by that is a criticism, which was always absurd to me during AK's time, was that when y'all would lose and the offense wasn't particularly efficient, all you'd hear is they just play street ball, which is absurd because that's not a strategy. That's not what AK was trying to do. But breaking it down and trying to explain what y'all are trying to do is really hard. A lot of it was a lot of guard freedom, and y'all ran a mm-hmm. lot of off-ball screens to get open guards shots like Stephen Moody or Marshall. He would run around constantly with constant ball screens. But when you're a fan, I don't think you're looking anywhere off the ball, if that makes sense. Right. Like, man, AK, I think AK was, when we coached us, he was – when he was a player, like, he was the same way as a coach as when he was a player, meaning, like, he let dudes play. Like, like and, and, and if you feel like you're a good player, a good guard or whatever, like, AK was the guy you would want to play for. And that kind of got us in trouble sometimes because he's, like, when AK, like, would go nuts on people and go off on people, 
like when he did that to me, I took that as a sign of man, this dude believes in me, dog. Like when I miss a shot or I don't do what I'm supposed to do, he's fussing at me because he fully expected me to do what I needed to do, or I wouldn't have been in the game in that spot. You know what I'm saying? So when he when when, when dude like our offense was a lot of quick hitters because he believed in us as players. You know what I'm saying? Like you like you gotta you gotta applaud that as a player, and you gotta be you gotta take the good with the bad. So a lot of my uh, a lot of times I scored with those elbow jumpers. Like I I got a lot of my shots when it was like 20, 22 on the shot clock, and it was just a little elbow to screen jumpers. He expected me to make that shot. You know what I'm saying? So when I didn't make it, and he would go crazy on me, like I was it was I was cool with that because I was I expected me to make that shot myself. So. When we would get it, we would get in trouble when we would just have off nights and we're like we wouldn't even be able to throw it in the ocean. And we like that's how we also blew teams out. That's how we also, I mean, I want to say we um, we were one or two in scoring in the SEC. My my senior year, even on the SEC championship, like he believed in us to go and make plays. And yeah, fans would you know get on him and, and you know fuss about stuff and and whine and moan about stuff and say he just let us do whatever. And it may look like that to the naked eye, but it was a lot of nuance to our game, a lot of back screens, and you know what I'm saying? But all in all, he he didn't try to shackle us, man. He expected us to go make plays because he felt like we were good players, and you got to respect that. If you look around college basketball now, and even at a, with AK at UAB, it's the same thing, but if you look around college basketball now, that's kind of how every team plays. It's the different type exactly. of pacing. I mean, it's sped up. Everything is sped up. You're trying to get shots early in the shot clock because you're trying to get as many shots in a game as possible. Those teams that really slow things right. down, like a Virginia, Ole Miss to an extent, but that's because Ole Miss just does, doesn't have those volume shooters. Those are the teams that are the best, those quick pace, mm-hmm. fast, run, early shots, quick shots. And that's something that y'all did. I mean, Marshall was shooting shots, like you mentioned, 22 seconds into the shot clock. Right, 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 right. And, but you got to also be careful with that because a lot of teams want to play that way, but don't have the players, you know what I'm saying? Like, so as a coach, you have to, you know, you know your personnel and the good coaches are able to, you know, react on the fly. They're, they're, they're able to, you know, change some things up. Or if they don't want to change some things up, what they do is they just go get players to fit their system. You know, so it's either one or two things. Either you, either you want to change something up and, you know, try to do this and do that, change, do some different things. Or you say, hey, these dudes can't cut it. These dudes can't fit my system. Now I just got to go get other guys to fit it and then we'll be okay. And, um, but to your point, man, teams are, are definitely playing that way now. And, you know, my, like I said, my uncles and my, my friends and older people that I know, they want to get on me when I say stuff like this. But I feel like, I mean, you got to be crazy if you don't feel like athletes are better now. People, they're bigger, faster, stronger, just with technology and modern medicine and all that type of stuff. And dudes are more skilled, like just from watching film or learning and all that type of stuff. I, I feel like basketball is in a better place than it, it, it's ever been. Like you got, you know, players like you. Like I was watching some uh, a couple weeks ago, like a, a little kid that was nine years old just had the ball on the screen, dog. And, like, when I was nine, like, I, I could barely make a layup, man. Like, and these kids these days are, are doing stuff that dudes in high school or college can't even do. So, I know, man, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a different time, but I just feel like, man, you either you need to get with the times or, or you get you get lost in the shuffle. The officiating still sucks in college. Oh, definitely. 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 I don't I hate – I hate – I hate – and I think I'm one of the few at the, I hate charges, man. I hate when dudes just take charges, especially when you're in good defense position and dudes just flail. And like you just sometimes they don't call it and you just take yourself out of the play and give somebody a free layup or you get a, a blocking foul win. I just I I hate people who just take charges. I hate that. I hate it. I hate the players that reach constantly. But I wish those plays weren't called, the reaches weren't called, unless they were egregious. I'm like that across the board with foul calls with these refs. You really want the game yeah. to be more fun and to be more high scoring and for fans to be more engaged because I feel like college basketball is siphoning off its fan base because of its officiating, because of the way the games are flowing right now. All the whistles are slowing everything down. It's a slog to watch a lot of the time. So if you want to speed it up, 
unless the foul is egregious, and I'm not talking about flagrants, but unless it's obvious what the foul was, just let them play. Right, right, man, right. I, and and you, you try to have a, a good relationship with the rest as you possibly can because you obviously want all the calls, and you're not going to get all the calls, but you try to be as nice to the rest as you possibly can um, because you want a good listen. But um, I don't know, man, like – Oh, it's just feel like they call all a lot of cookie pack fouls, man. And just you know, every single time a guy out. drives to the rim, it feels like there's a call. Yeah, for sure, for sure, man. And I don't, I don't know how you fix that, but just try to tell your guys to play without, just try your best and play without your hands and move your feet, man. That's all you can do. Yeah, it just sucks because you're taking away so much freedom from the players. They're used to playing that particular way, physical. They're used to playing a way where in the backyard before they got to college, even in high school, they're used to guys being on their hip, used to pushing them off with their arm. I mean, that just shouldn't be called. Yeah, and I think um, a lot of the older guys, like the older guys who played the game before, start to look at the game like the game is soft. and start to blame the players, man. And I don't think the players want the game to be called soft. I don't think the players... Not the people, not the players I've been around and dudes I've been around who, who still play the game at a high level. I don't think they want every foul call. And I think dudes want to play through contact and, you know, be tough and do all that type of stuff, man. Like, but, the, I mean, I guess the NCAA has made a concerted effort to, you know, have the game, like, more points. I think I think they think fans are just more, it's just fascinating with more points. And I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm not one of those people. I do like what Kermit's done because we don't know what's going to happen Wednesday night. We're recording on a Tuesday. I do like what Kermit's done over the last week and a half. He's changed up his substitution patterns because even he'll acknowledge, I think, yeah. maybe not publicly, but he'll acknowledge that he sometimes has a quick hook when it comes to subs. So he's let these guys play, these different units play, even through mistakes, which he gets really frustrated by. And you can see it on the sidelines, but he's letting them play through it a little bit. But also how he's utilizing like Jarkel. Now, Jarkel is not yeah. Brienne. But the one thing that the two guys have in common is they're both mid-range jump shooters. That's what they do well or yeah. best. And he's running actions for him, and that's complimenting Devontae, which then in turn is leading to an offense that's still kind of ugly, but at least they're now staying in games, and defensively they're starting to guard like they were against uh, low major teams. It's fun, like, because when, you, when you're a fan, man, you start to, you start to look at the game, you're like, What's going on? Why, why can't we score? Or why is it why is it so hard to do this? Or why does it look like it's a struggle to do this? And then, like with me, I just you put you you put your coach's hat on, and then you start to try to figure out, hey, what can we do to free some guys? Or what can we do to get some easier looks and all that type of stuff? And with Coach Davis, man, I, like I tell you all the time, even in our, our text messages and just talking, period. Like I tell you, like like w- watching him is. It's so cool to see, like, just to see, like, you see in real time, like, his mind spinning, like, like he's so, he's so, like, he's always thinking, like, a couple steps ahead, like, what, what, what's next? What's next? How can we do this? How can we do that? And you, you, you in real time, you watch the games and you start to try to figure out, like, you know, what, what can this team do to get buckets and all that type of stuff. And now you see they've, they've won two games in a row. And guys are looking like they're they're starting to play more free and all that type of stuff. And you just all you can do is is, is applaud the job that he's done and the, and the and the coaching staff has done and just try to you know just try to win some games. And at this point, all you can try to do is I'll take it one game at a time, man. We got to just win the next one, and that's all that matters. So you know whether it's substitution patterns and all playing this guy more, playing that guy less, like you never know. You never know what's gonna happen. And I just think you try to. You try to poke and prod and see what see what fits, and, and and you just figure it out from there. And obviously, you know some some's happened, some's changed, and to where that that guys are playing more free and that they won two games. So, you know, you you just try to you just try to do whatever you can, man, and just try to get a W. That's all. I bring it up because there has been a criticism. Oh, the sure, guys sure. play too tight because they feel mm-hmm. like if they make a mistake, one mistake. They're going to get the hook. And there was some validity added to that from Bryce Williams, who talked to a paper in Oklahoma. He's now with Oklahoma State. Mm -hmm. And he said that 
he lost his joy or his fun with basketball because he felt like he was playing so tight because he didn't want to mess up. You've been on that sideline. Mm -hmm. You've been behind Kermit when he's making those decisions. That's why I brought up how he's kind of shifted that because I do think he's recognized that maybe, yeah, these kids do need to be given some freedom. Yeah, they're going to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Everybody makes mistakes. But understanding that if you trust the talent, ultimately the talent – is going to overcome the mistakes. Right, right, right. And I think that's it. Like this, that question you asked me is a good question because I'm, I'm, I'm talking about dogs. I've been on the player side my sophomore year, my first year after I transferred from Indiana. The year, the year after I had to set out was probably my worst year. Dog, I averaged probably like six, seven points a game. I was starting early, didn't start, wasn't playing as much and all that type of stuff. And every time I felt like, man, I can do this. I'm always coming out first and this and that, this and that. And I'm starting to blame this guy and blame that person. And then, like, as a player, you think it's valid. And who's who, who am I? Like, who, who is anybody to tell these players that they're wrong and how they're feeling? You know what I'm saying? But then now I'm on this side of it, and I try to keep myself in a player's mind, like, what is this guy thinking? Because I was a player too. But you got to also on, on the coaching side, man. You're trying to you're trying to mix and match and find any and every you know possibility that can help you win. And you know, like we aren't we weren't like nobody in these practices. Nobody is like. And I tell my guys this, and I tell the parents this. Like when they have questions about why their kids not playing and this and that, all my kids coming out here like I tell them, man, come on, let's practice. Come, come watch your kid practice. Come, come, see he's not he's not closing out. He's not playing hard as he can. He's not doing what we ask him to do all the time. So it's easy, you know, from fans from the fans' perspective to say, hey, you know, such and such isn't playing as much as he should. But the number one rule as a coach, man, to put guys in the game, you gotta trust them. You gotta trust them. Okay, he made a mistake. Okay, I gotta trust that if I'm gonna leave this dude in the game, he's not gonna make that mistake again, you know, and you never know. This dude may have been making that mistake all week in practice. So it's just hard to just watch the games and try to get, you know, like like a perfect, you know, just like a perfect perspective on what's going on because you just never know what's going on. All we see is the end product of dudes going in and out of the game, you know. For an Ole Miss fan who watches Ole Miss basketball, what is Ole Miss trying to do offensively in the half court? Motion, 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 one ball touch in the post. But what are they trying to do? Explain that. Man, they're trying to – first and foremost, they're trying to get the best shot possible. So whoever – early on, Melo was having it going. They can move, 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 and then probably hit him in the post and probably let's get a duck in for a baby hook or a bully move or something like that. He was playing well early. And, like, I don't know what happened. I think he's, he's hopping around 10 points a game, so it, it's not a big drop-off. But some guys have emerged. Your kills emerged. Devontae's starting to make some shots and all that type of stuff. But with Coach Davis, he wants to get movement. He don't want to get stagnant. Like, it's easier to guard, you know, a team when they're one pass shot on the first shot. Like, we have, we have, I was I had a chart when I was there called first side, second side, third side shot. Where, like, your, your percentage of your, your, your makes, like, they increase gradually as the, you know, as the ball crosses the midline with passes you know, three or four times. So I remember some games we would, you know, our first side shots, we would take a lot of shots on the first side of the floor, and we would be shooting like 15 20%. But you get the ball moved a couple times across, and, and then you go up to like 60 65%, man. So that just makes you know, like, the more you move the ball in that offense, and you and dudes don't want to play defense for 30 seconds, man. About, about 10, 15 seconds up in the shots, our dudes are ready to break down and all that type of stuff. So it's been proven that if you move the ball in this offense, man, and you take the best shot possible, like, man, your percentage go through the roof. And I think, you know, you got guys in high school who've been the man who always want to get shots. It's like, as a coach, you got to try to break. But, hey, man, the same shot you got with 20 seconds left on the shot clock, you can get that same shot with 10 seconds left on the shot clock. You know what I'm saying? So it's just trying to get the best shot possible. That's all it is. And here's the thing. They have gotten those shots, but they haven't made them from the perimeter. So defensively, every opponent is pretty much crowding the paint and now daring Ole Miss, anybody but Devontae Shuler, to make a three. 
and no one is. Matthew Morell made a three against Texas A&M. Luis Rodriguez, he was supposed to be one of those guys. So now it's about, hey, guys, have confidence in stepping in and making threes because you were brought here as shooters. Right, right, right. I mean, and it's like you got you to gotta have dudes to make shots, man. That's, that's the simple as that, man. You can run whatever play you want, but you got to have dudes to make shots. And, you know, you can, like I said, you, can, you, you just got to have dudes to step in and just knock some shots down. And then once you start making shots, you know, teams will start overplaying, overpursuing, and all that type of stuff. And that's when you can crack dudes off the bounce and all that type of stuff. So how does Ole Miss make a run to the NCAA tournament? Defense, man, and rebounding. The same thing he, he preaches a lot in his, in his post-game, you know, uh, pressures and all that, and what he preaches to guys in, the, in, in practice. Man, shots are going to come. It's going to be nice where they can't make a shot. But you got to you gotta defend and you got to rebound. That's first and foremost. And, you know, you got to – at the end of the day, dog, you got to be a man. You got to step in there and knock it down. Dog. When you get it, it's your turn to turn to make a play. You got to go make a play. Four of their final ten opponents are ranked in the top thirty-three in the net. So there is a path for Ole Miss to make a run. The first game in that one game at a time is at Arkansas. You've played at Fayetteville. Why is it so tough to play there? Because man, it's so loud. And maybe it's not going to be that way now because of COVID. You can only have certain number of people in there. But they, they they love basketball, man. They love basketball. It's one of the few two schools in the SEC where it's always packed. You got Tennessee, Kentucky, Arkansas, uh, Florida to an extent. But like Arkansas, man, eighteen thousand people screaming. So I mean, it's 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 insane the atmosphere that they have, and and you know they have always had good teams and they play hard and. You know, Muslim is coming in with a, you know, with a with a new deal. So man, they're gonna be tough to beat, man. But I think the Rebels can get it done if they if they they load up, you know, defensively, guard the ball, and then let the rim and rebound and make open shots. I think they get the dub. He's Nick Williams, former Ole Miss guard. Thanks for coming on, man, and just kind of shooting the shit with me, man. It's been a long time. I enjoyed doing it. Man, I love it, bro. Thanks a lot, man. Let's do this again soon. You can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade, or at least grab an extra latte. After getting a Chime checking account with features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe, no minimum balance requirements, and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com goals24. That's Chime.com goals24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.